Hello, viewers, and welcome to the Derps Talk About Games. I'm your co-host, Mango. And I am your co-host, Buddy. And t Oh, that's you, yours. Do you right? want to do it? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know why I was about to say it. I never say it. <laughs> and today we're going to talk about Young Justice. Uh, but why don't you tell the folks at home what it is we do on this podcast? Well, it's pretty simple. On this podcast, we like to talk about games <laughs> and other things in the uh, in the nerd canon. Uh, and then we do Young Justice Season 1, which we... Uh, yeah, you know, 10 we did years at, later. Yeah. Uh, we did at Buddy's <clears throat> Suggestion. Um, this is my first time saying it. This is, what, your second time saying it? This is my, like, fifth time seeing it. Okay. I, mean, I, watched it, I watched it when it was first coming out. And it was nuts then. Like, it was insane. Because, like, obviously there's all these cliffhangers. There was a ton of theorizing in, like, the kind of, uh... In the way that you might think of, like, Game of Thrones theorizing. Mm -hmm. Everybody had all these theories about, about you know, spoiler stuff, obviously. Um, <clears throat> when then did Young this Justice first come season out? Two, uh, 2010. Okay. Then Young Justice Season 2 started airing. And it just added more fuel to that fire, right? And then there was, like, an eight-year gap before Young Justice Season 3 got picked up. It first got picked up by Netflix, actually, because Young Justice got put on Netflix and had, like, really good numbers, and so Netflix kind of was doing the Arrested Development thing. But then the DC Universe app got created, and they needed shows, so they swapped it out from under Netflix, and then it was on that app, um, and which has now been folded into, you know, HBO Max, obviously. Mm. So... Young Justice has had a very storied history that I'm just, I, <laughs> I'm so glad this show exists. <laughs> so, so there is um, what is there four seasons now, and is 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 it ended or is it like? It is three seasons. Season four is in develop. It's like in oh, production okay. to okay. some extent. I don't know what kind of production, um, but uh, or like what the, like the updates are, because uh, famously like. You know, it, it's it's a lot of work to make these kinds of animated shows, uh, and especially for 24 episodes. Um, all right, three months ago, Young Justice Season 4, which is called Phantoms, um, uh, the status update is that 13 episodes are finished, 6 episodes are being animated, 7 are in post-production. Um, so... Okay, so that's soon. the that's like the current status of of all things Young Justice. All right, so um, I guess before we get to spoiler territory, let's uh, let's let's give our basic impressions. Uh, I mean, you first since it's your your time. I love this show. I think that this is the best. Mm, man, do I want to say that? Uh, the the thing I'm tempted to say is that this is the best superhero show. Maybe the best superhero, like, media, to be honest with you. Um, man, it's so good <laughs> uh, that, you know, like, that I can think of. It's helped by a guy named um, Greg Weissman, who's famous for, he created the Gargoyles show. Like, did you ever watch that show? No, but I'm aware that it's fans. He also Spectacular Spider-Man. He did Star Wars Rebels, I want to say. He actually did some WoW stuff, too. He used to write this children's line of WoW books called Traveler. But he's he's very famous, you know. He's a very he's a very famous television writer for kind of like a variety of different things, um, and uh, and I just think that he has this perfect sensibility for like the DC universe, and that this version of it is maybe kind of like the definitive version in my head, in a way, of what like a like the platonic ideal of the DC universe feels like. 
um, which is very unique. You know, like the movies have never captured this. Um, as much as I love them, right? Now, I, you know, on this podcast, I go to bat for them. Other TV shows have gotten close. You know, I think uh, Justice League Unlimited is really good, but I, I really feel like Young Justice is the best version of the DC universe that I feel like I would want to show someone, if that makes sense. That, that, that does. And I, I will agree that it, it does some things very well, and I, I, I enjoyed watching this a lot. Um, I don't think it's... I can't speak to, like, kind of, like, the the DC universe as a whole, because I, you know, I, I have a very limited view into that. Um, um, although I do recognize that it does the DC universe stuff very well. I'm sure we'll get into that on, on the other side of the spoiler warning section. Um, but um, uh, in terms of, like, as a show, I, I think it's good, but I think it's got some real flaws. Like, um, basically, anything that is the teen drama, I think is, like... <laughs> middling okay, to bad that's interesting yeah um i've also so i've also been mildly spoiled on some upcoming things um so uh uh what is it um the the show where it's it's a youtube channel um that does like history and tropes um why can't i remember the name of it it's got like the, the oh the history uh, guy's blue and the and the, yeah, the tropes yeah, girl yeah. Is, is red. Uh, overly sarcastic productions yeah overly sarcastic productions yeah yeah they, they did a thing in a trope talk she must have talked about it right yeah yeah she she talked about the time skips because of the time and um there's a time skip in the show and i don't like, yeah there's a time skip between season i was gonna ask at the end of this what are your predictions for season two because like everyone's predictions for season two were so wrong because of the time skip that uh the time skip know, that happens after home, season one I, I actually didn't know that i thought the time skip... oh, re oh really wait what oh uh, i guess i don't know what you're spoiled on then the, so it's not a huge spoiler obviously the next season of the show starts you know yeah, in, in a new context. So I, I had assumed that the time skip happened between season two and season three because of the okay. real world time skip. But um, basically, she talked about like some relationships that ha that I think get broken up that I think happen like I think between characters I don't know exist yet, like or that aren't in the show yet or something. I don't know. Okay. Um, uh, this is now very interesting and spicy. I mean, yeah, obviously, I mean, this is this is kind of contained to season one. Um, but you know, season two and season three are forthcoming. You know, we will will watch and report back. I guess for everyone, I I am I'm very interested because I haven't watched that episode of Overly Sarcastic Production, so I actually don't know how much of it gets spoiled. Yeah, I mean, um, so and she, it's not very spoilery, right? Like it's just mm -hmm. kind of like, you know, these are these are things that happen. And the thing that she comments, I, I think the comment that she said was something like, um they like keep adding new characters to the cast um instead of like developing the existing ones which i don't have a huge view for now but it, it, you can see like parts of it um but i also think that in some ways the the expit like the way that they handle the dc universe characters is is good so uh, let's hit the spoiler thing now like this is a, recomm okay, it's yeah, a recommendation for me i do want to i do want to stress if you haven't watched this show i highly recommend watching it it's all on hbo max right now um, it's a very bingeable show, and I would yes. recommend binging it because there's just, like, a lot of storytelling that happens kind of serially episode to episode, and there's a lot of cool shit that you can, you know, kind of, like, kind of, like, notice, but I would very much want to protect somebody from spoilers. Um, so if you haven't watched Young Justice yet, pause it <laughs> and go watch all, like, you know, six hours of it right now. <laughs> I mean, well, it's, oh, yeah, I guess, it's, what is it, 24 by 22, so that's, like, three... Three episodes an hour. Eight, eight and a half, nine hours, nine hours total, right? Three, th wait, three episodes an hour over twenty-four. Yeah, I guess that's eight hours. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, um, 
Yeah. Uh, so yeah, spoilers for uh, Young Justice season one forthcoming. Uh, okay, I'm us. definitely very interested in the in the teen drama piece of this because I kind of agree that I think it's not great, but I think part of that is so what? There's I have sort of two pieces of it. One, I'm not a teenager anymore. <clears throat> when I I remember first watching this, I was in college. I was obviously 20, right? Much closer um, to being a teenager. Yeah, right? And so I was much more in that sort of headspace, I guess, if that makes sense. And I remember being very, like, in it, you know? And uh, But, like, now I feel like some of that stuff definitely sort of has aged kind of poorly. But I sort of don't know, am I aging out of teen drama as a genre? Or is it not great in the show? I have a feeling that the answer is a little bit more it's not great in the show, right? Like, you know, I've talked about... Um, I talked about the teen drama in Invincible. We talked about it in, like, Spider-Man Homecoming or whatever, right? And so I do feel like I can sort of, like, recognize it. But there is sort of a break. Maybe it's just, like, you know, culturally we're in a different sort of spot. Like, I don't... I did not feel Wally was as gross or, like, cringy that I felt now. Because I sort of think that brand of character has not aged poorly. Oh, see, or has not aged very well. Do you the, know what I mean? I, I do. That's interesting because, like, Wally was not, like... Like, Wally, I was, like... It was more kind of on the trope. Like, so there's there's a lot of things that happen in this show, obviously. But, like... Yeah. Um, I think it, it, like... It kind of, like, uses a lot of tropes as shorthand to, to, to get... Like, I, I think a lot of this is, like... It's 22-minute episodes, right? Um, and yeah. a lot of them have self-contained plots. You need to get through it. Um, and, like, Wally's kind of, like womanizing right comes across as kind of like somebody trying to be cocky when they're clearly not right like that that like rang a little bit more true to me than like some of the other stuff that happened like yeah and i feel i think it ends in a good spot for you know what i mean like no one ever rewards him for being kind of gross and hitting on all these women right right, yeah you know um which i think is good and i think is but you know like it at least ends in an okay spot, but it just, I, I was, I was graded hearing him just, like, calling, like, Black Canary, you know, like, babe or whatever, and I was just like, oh, Wally, stop. Like, yeah. I, <laughs> no, I, 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 and I think that goes to, like, the point, or part of the point, right? Like, he's supposed to be gross. Like, he's supposed to be, maybe not gross, like, maybe, maybe that's, that that's something that's... But, that's, like, immature, right, right you yeah. know, yeah. Whereas I felt that, like, say... Uh, Superboy and uh, and Miss Martian's romance came across as cringe at some points. Not all the time, but like th- there were moments. Okay, where did it? I think I like Superboy and Miss Martian's romance quite a lot, but I like it sort of in the. I, I think the best drama in the show comes in sort of these like intra team squabbles, right? Like there's there's a whole episode about. You know, Aqualad hears from Sportsmaster. <laughs> Sportsmaster. We'll talk about that later. Yeah. <laughs> well, Aqualad hears from Sportsmaster that there's a mole in the team, and he tells Batman about it, or he speculates on this with Batman, and Superboy hears him and reveals to the whole team that Aquaman knew there was a traitor this whole time, and we all thought it was Red Tornado for whatever reason, right? Um, and it, the whole episode is about how everyone's really pissed at Aqualad about this. And part of that is 
built into Superboy and Miss Martian's relationship, right? Superboy is overly protective of her, and that's like the the source of his sort of like anger and frustration. Whereas Robin and Kid Flash are like, how could you possibly not tell me there's a mole, right? Like, how could you not trust me? We started this thing together and you're keeping secrets or whatever, right? Like all of that drama is bundled up together and it's good and it's like good drama and a piece of that drama is teen drama. Um, but I feel like I think I agree with you about some of the standalone aspects of um, their relationship. And also just like, um, you know, like there's one episode where it's it's the one with, where it's Wally's birthday and he's like, oh, I'm going to get a some kiss from Miss Martian. And like, she's been dating Superboy for episodes upon episodes at this point. They just haven't told Wally that or whatever. I just felt like that whole sequence was bad and dumb you know so i think i i do agree that kind of in isolation i i don't jive with the teen drama you know stuff as yeah. much as i as much as i did tw you know 10 years ago or maybe maybe 10 years ago i was just so fixated on all of the plot reveals and the what's happening next that it i just didn't even face I, I think some of this too might be the binge aspect right like we've talked about this before that like watching mm -hmm. these episodes in a row doesn't give like the week of like breathing room um yeah, this was week to week. Actually, it was week to week with a huge hiatus in between, which I remember being really pissed about because this was airing at Cart on Cartoon Network at the time, and it was getting garbage ratings, and we were all watching it online and talking about it online because um, it was kind of in that era where just, like, everybody was pirating everything. Yeah, but, but uh, before the... Uh, yeah, no, no, we, <laughs> we... We legally acquired all of the content. You know, I mean, now we did, yeah. at least. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I think I think the bingeability of it uh, might factor into things. Because yeah, like, does like that that betrayal thing? I feel like stretches across at least two episodes, right? Like the you know we're mad at Aqualad, but like mm -hmm. it felt like it was going to last for like you know twenty or thirty minutes, and it did, right? Like in you know in like back to back time, but it was like very much like oh this is going to get resolved quickly, and then it does, and it gets resolved in like the cheesiest kind of like you know. You know, a leader needs to take charge, right, type of way. And then he, like, takes, he's like, we need to do this mission good. And, like, everybody's like, okay, yes, we will do that. And then the problem is solved, right? Like, and It's also one of those problems that, you know, uh, it gets solved by Aqualad just talking. And I, th I think that this is well done in the episode, right? You know, Aqualad is a kid, right? He doesn't have these leadership skills, and so I think you can kind of forgive him for making this mistake. But once he, he never actually says... I didn't want to take Sportsmaster at his word. He could be lying to me. And if he is telling the truth, I don't want to tip off, you know, I don't want to tip off the mole. It has nothing to do with trust in you guys or whatever. And he does make that, he does say that to the team at the end of the episode and they vote to keep him as leader and whatever else. Um, but it is one of those things where it's just like, just talk for five minutes and you guys will get over this, you know, this stuff. Yeah. And on top of that, right, like, I think this is the this is the format, right? Like it gets resolved quickly, and with like very little to do. It's like you know, you know, Batman tells Aqualad to be assertive, and then he is assertive, and then the assertiveness works, and that's how things work in twenty two minute cartoons. And so everyone is happy forever. Um, yeah, I mean, there was definitely stuff that like I, the mole thing was huge. Everyone had theories because so the weird thing about the show, and this doesn't quite get translated in a bingeable sense was we know the mole is real because we the viewer watch the light talk about having the mole outside of the context of the league or, or anything else right so 
Sportsmaster is absolutely telling the truth. We also know that mole can't be Red Tornado because you watch the, the little zap that reprograms Red Tornado or whatever. And so the the team thinks it's Red Tornado. And they eventually learn it's not, by the way. But they, they think it's Red Tornado. And so, like, following along in that context really changed how I was viewing the show in a way. Because, like, you're paying attention to these details and they simmer week to week. And you're reading people's theories and they're like, oh, no, no. It can't be Red Tornado. Because they make the, you know... Vandal Savage refers to it in the private meeting of the light in this episode. And, you know, Sportsmaster tells the other guy in this episode. And, you know, you watch Red Tornado get zapped in this episode. And, and so it's just like you're, you're putting all these pieces together. And that's just like a really fun and engaging, like, I don't know, activity, I guess. Sort of surrounding the context of the show. Um I don't. I don't really know. I don't have. I don't have more complicated thoughts about it. But that's just like that's a piece of it that is that I you you can't experience that anymore, right? Yeah. No. I mean, and I think and you know the show managed to surprise me. The mole is speedy or red arrow, I guess. Um, and I was thinking it's like, well, it can't be any of the three people that are that you know are being floated as the mole because that would be too obvious for a show, right? So it's got to be either Robin or Aqualad. Um, and I think I might have gotten spoiled on something that happens later, so I had thoughts about that. Um, and I'll just leave it there. <laughs> That's season two stuff, though. Yeah. So I'll, I'll, if, if you're referring to what I think you're referring I to. I probably am. This, is, this was from okay. uh, the, the episode. So I'll, I'll leave it there, um, just to not spoil it for anybody for, for anybody else. But it, it did catch me off guard. Um, yeah. Um, another thing that I think was, like, just kind of, like, in, in the range of criticisms of the, uh, of the show is, like, there were there are definitely a couple episodes that are, um, you know, what animes would call filler episodes, right? Like, like Wally's birthday, right? Like, the meta, like it ties into the meta plot, but it's not like it's, it's about Wally, and that's fine. But mm -hmm. th there was th there was an episode, maybe I I can't maybe it was the the one with um, the new like the the the, the sphere people, the new new. The, the new gods, yeah, the new gods. Like some, there's a couple of episodes that feel very fillery. Um, yeah, um, I do think that there are some episodes that I think of as sort of like fillery. Uh, another one is the episode where Robin goes like it solves the circus. He's he's oh, doing yeah, yeah. yeah, that's, his, a, that's his, a big one. Yeah. Circus train or whatever. Um, I, I like all of those episodes though. I especially like Wally's birthday. To be quite honest, um, I think that you know. So, the show always has enough little bits of the meta plot in there, right? Like, obviously, the ice storms are a cover. You just get a tiny little bit. It's like 30 seconds, right? But you watch Riddler, maybe somebody else. They, like, they steal a component for these chips for this thing that they've been doing this whole time, right? It's a piece of Starro from Atlantis, a piece of whatever, right? And they're, they're putting all this tech together. Um, and you follow that briefcase forward then. It, like, then passes to Sportsmaster and Cheshire and everything like that. Um... And so it, like, touches on the meta plot, but there are definitely some episodes that are just like, you know what, there is, this one is not, this one's not very complicated. It's like a personal deep dive into this one character, right? Like, the the, the Robin episode is one, basically everybody gets one, right? There's the Hello Megan for Miss Martian, there's the Artemis and Red Arrow tracking one another with, like, 80 million tracking beacons episode, there's the, um... Robin solves his murder. There's there's not really a good Aqualad episode. No, wait, I'm lying. The Atlantis episode is an Aqualad yeah. episode. There's Kid Flash's birthday, and then there's... Who's left? 
Oh, and then there's Superboy and Match, which is one of my favorite episodes, actually. Where Superboy learns that he's half, he's that Lex Luthor is his dad, and he does a bunch of drugs. Yeah, no, I mean like the the obvious. I think I invented you this. Like the obvious drug analog is here. I'm surprised they didn't do like a very special episode. Maybe that's coming, but I like that they dodged that in a way. I I I in general. So I think my biggest criticism of Young Justice season one is the meta plot is so huge that it feels like uh you know like a huge locomotive screeching to a halt because it all comes to a head in essentially one episode right and it just feels like they are covering ground lightning fast you know like they develop an entire cure we spent the entire season watching the light you know the, the bad guys putting together this little microchip that takes control of batman and everybody else and they put together an antidote and vaccine off screen yes. <laughs> like, you can tell that just like because there's so much stuff you know there's so much stuff kind of like happening or whatever but it all has to conclude in one 22 minute episode that is just like i think that that sucks and um and isn't isn't great um but you know what are you gonna do what are, what are you gonna do right um but yeah, I like these little these little like one on one episodes you get with the, with the individual characters. Hello, Megan is huge because I think I was very with you at the time where I kind of thought that like the so, way so, that she was behaving was incredibly cringy. But yeah, it all yeah. paid <laughs> off, and I died. To 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 set it for the people at home, while while I was watching this, I was just sending buddy messages, <laughs> and like there's some like they they all like do a little bit of this, right? But like you know, like Robin does the thing where you take like two words that have like they're like compound oh, words, uh, but they don't have a base. It's yeah. like I'm whelmed yeah, or yeah. whatever. And like Superboy hates monkeys. And, he hates monkeys, Mango. Um, and they do a pretty good darn dirty ape line. I thought that was pretty pretty well done for like a, an exterior reference. But like mm-hmm. I thought, you know, Miss Martians was the worst. Hello, Megan. I was just like, oh my god, I can't believe they're actually doing this, and then it pays off. I'm just like, oh. <laughs> it pays off so i remember i i freaked out when it happened especially because it comes up way in the beginning it, it is constantly referenced right where she's like this isn't a plot of a 70s sitcom or whatever right like and those things completely wash right on by you just don't even pay any pay any attention to them and then that little banging episode shows up and you're just like oh fuck like <laughs> I like Miss Martian quite a lot. She is, um, she's interesting because, so, okay, obviously Robin has a lot of baggage, right? Uh, Kid Flash also, in this, in this kind of context, has a lot of baggage. And then I would say Superboy has a lot of baggage in the sense that they are very close to their kind of, like, comic book archetype, right? Outside of the fact that Robin is not the leader, which is a good change. Um, but Artemis, Miss Martian, and Aqualad were all essentially just invented whole cloth for the show miss martian does exist in uh in the comics but she just has a much smaller like she's in a in a teen titans arc for a little bit i think artemis also exists but under way different circumstances all this stuff with treasure her dad all that stuff is completely different um and then aqualad was this version of aqualad calderam was created at the same time that his version in the comics was also created um so I feel like those characters have a certain kind of like level of care just because they had the most malleability to them, right? They don't really have to like conform to continuity. 
Um, and Miss Martian is pretty key among those in, you know, like, the strength of her... I mean, the strength of her telepathy is one thing, and, like, the episode where she fries Simon is, like, fucked. Like, not only does she brain blast her own friends to keep them from seeing her as a white Martian, but she also, like, lobotomizes Simon, and it's like, whoa, guys, we're really going, you know, like... It also just that's, pay that's off, my right? shit. Yeah, well... You know, obviously, these characters go forward, and so there's more, you know, like, mm-hmm. and there's more to them. Uh, and I don't want to comment about any of that kind of stuff or whatever. But I just think that, like, I, I really like Miss Martian's kind of setup here. Um, yeah, I mean, she gets the just... whole episode where she, like, causes the problem by being so telepathically strong, right? Like, mm-hmm. the, the... Yeah, and I like that there's a lot of setup and payoff across the series, right? There's a lot of stuff that is like this, right? Like, her psychic ability is set up in what what is essentially another one of these filler episodes, right? Where, like, it's a failure case scenario. It's What's the, what's the Star Trek version of this? Uh, Kobara- Kobayashi Maru. Yeah, the Kobayashi Maru. It's like that, right? But she's so powerful that she takes over the psychic simulation and you know martian manhunter is like she's like the fucking most powerful psychic ever or whatever and then that pays off later when she just like absolutely dominates you know uh simon in that kind of like one-on-one psychic battle or whatever um same thing with like you know i i i like the dynamic between robin and aqualad because robin eventually so aqualad is leader which is nice because normally Robin is the leader and it's kind of cool to see him subservient in that, in that like Lieutenant role. Um, and also just think Aqualad is cool. And, uh, but then, but then, you know, Aqualad is just out for an episode. He's doing whatever. And Robin's in command and he has a rocky time with it. And I think that those sort of like long running sort of like mini arcs for each of these characters is also, you know, complex. I, I think it's complex. I think it's good, but I also think that like, you know, it it seems like you know that they they are like, Robin will eventually be the team leader, and it's just a matter of mm-hmm. when. Like they're like very clear about that, right? Like up to the point yeah. where like Aqualad's like, I should resign. He's like, well, I guess I can't give it to Robin yet, as if like you know, that's the only option ever, which you know makes sense in in, in terms of the show. But like it, it is kind of weird to hear and be like, nobody else is qualified except for Robin, who are very obviously going to make the leader at some point, right? Like, Yeah, I also think that it's cool to have Robin be in that supporting role because he he becomes, like, the tech guy where he's, yeah. like, hacking into shit or whatever. And I also just really love the episode where they explain why he is not suited to be the leader because, like, he's been doing this for so long and he does it with Batman that he's actually very bad at communicating with other people. And he's like, oh, disappear into the jungle, you know, like when... When Kid Flash like falls in front of you know in front of Bane or whatever on Santa Prisca, yeah, yeah, no, um, oh. <sighs> yeah. So something I do want to talk about though is okay. um, the kind of like Ferris wheel or you know like the revolving door of like every DC like minor DC character ever type of deal. And, you know, it's like <laughs> there are so many of them and like. There are moments that I that I feel very smart for knowing things, right? Like when when it's like and you know, uh, sorry, train going by, um, but uh, when um uh, when they're like Shazam's gonna be your first like volunteer, I'm like oh or Captain Marvel, I guess this is technical whatever. Um, I'm mm-hmm. like oh oh it's because he's a kid and he wants to hang out with the other kids, right? And like you know I'm sure every other other DC person is like you know also doing or like. And we're doing it for more moments because I there were definitely some that I missed, 
uh, that had to get explained to me. Um, and the sh- but then the show goes and explains it to you, right? Like the show goes and shows who kept who who uh, you know how Shazam turns into Billy Bats at some point. And I think that that's really cool. I'm sure there are people who freak out over the smaller characters, right? Like you know we've mentioned sports masters. Like who the fuck is a sports master, right? Um, <laughs> sports master. Um, I love sports master though. So uh, the thing I love about sports master is he's a very doofy. Like this is not very much of relation to the comics. He's a very doofy villain in the comics because he's kind of from the um, the very early like Justice Society days where, you know, his whole gimmick is that he just carries around a tennis racket and tennis balls that are grenades and he throws it up and he serves it and it blows up or whatever. It's just like the most like cartoonishly like from Batman 66 shit. But they just needed a guy who is this kind of assassin character, right? Um, for for the League of Shadows to sort of fit in with Cheshire and everything, um, and he. Do you know who that... Casey Jones is from Teenage Mutant Casey Ninja Turtles? Jones. Yeah, 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 from Teenage Mutant. Because he's essentially the same character, except he's a good guy. Which is just—it was just like a thing that kept going through my head, right? Like he's like he—I think he uses hockey equipment stereotypically, but like. Um, very similarly, you know, like, is sports, like, has, like, a golf bag full of, like, sports equipment and, like, hits people with it. Yeah, that is, this is basically his, his whole shtick. Um, and so he kind of got brought over, and the funny thing is that there are just a million of these characters over the course of, uh, DC, you know, like, and, and they eventually kind of, like, come in later, right? Like, you'll, you, you know, if you're wondering why we don't see Deathstroke, for instance, that's sort of down-the-line thing, right? Um, but it's just funny to think that, like, Rachel Ghoul's top lieutenant is fucking Sportsmaster. <laughs> and his whole thing is like... And he's honestly, like, seriously dangerous, right? Like, there's this one where he's pulling out these javelins, and he throws one at, Miss Martian at Roy, invisible. and it, like, oh. smacks him... Oh, and yeah, he sees Miss Martian when she's invisible, and it smacks Roy in, like, the quiver, and you're just like, Jesus Christ, that, like, that should have killed him, right? Like, he's, like, a legitimately, you know kind of terrifying villain, right? But it's because they, they they created this link between Cheshire, Artemis, and Sportsmaster. All of which I loved. I specifically love Cheshire. I think Sportsmaster is a little bit lame, if I'm being honest. Um, but I think Cheshire is, uh, is a really cool character in this show. And she does cool and complicated things, right? Like, you can tell she's working with her dad, but she's not really happy about it. You know, she saves Artemis's life because even though they're kind of fighting for the wrong team, she doesn't want her sister to die. All that stuff I thought was really great and um, and is a big reason why, uh, I don't know, I enjoy it. Plus, I love all of her shit with Roy. And uh, there's the one, there's another episode, which I would sort of call a filler episode, the Relasia episode, where you're just hanging out with Red Arrow as he's like, protecting Lex Luthor because we're, you're in that classic situation of like somebody's trying to assassinate Lex Luthor while he's trying to make peace between North and South Korea Relasia whatever god um the, I mean like <laughs> the, the depiction of like what what is very obviously North and South Korea just had me like going like Jesus you know like wow right you know it's like yeah I mean <laughs> my, my favorite aspect about that is clearly both of the voice actors for the leaders of North and South Malaysia thought they were doing Japanese stuff, you know, cause like they just sound like Japanese characters and it's just like, well, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know how much I want to like go, go deep on that stuff. Bialia is very similar along this line. I, I feel um, like Bialia, Bialia is a little bit more 
like a little bit less like because Bialya isn't real, right? And it's ruled by Queen mm. Bee or whatever. It feels a little bit less uh, less obnoxious, I guess, right? Like then, um, although I guess the other the other leader, like Bialya, doesn't feel as obnoxious to me because it's a supervillain. Whereas like the, the 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 democratically elected leader that she's trying to like overcome feels like you could probably read a little bit more into that if you really wanted to. Um, but just like the North and South Korea thing was just like so obvious and so cartoonish that it felt it felt weird. It felt weird to me, right? It's like this is like a yeah. Weird... I mean, Bialya Bialya is there. I don't, I think they didn't want to use Kandak, which is the typical one that gets used as just like an invented Middle Eastern country to sort of do invented Middle Eastern stuff. But Kandak is very tied to Black Adam's mythology. We talked about this, I think, in um, the Shazam the Wonder Woman episode oh. or the Shazam episode. You know, like Black Adam is. He, you know, he's he's sealed away in a thing, and then Captain Marvel accidentally releases him to the world or whatever, and um, and he is the ancient Egyptian, you know, like he's like an ancient Egyptian pharaoh in what it would be modern day Bialya, and he shows up and he says, "Hey guys, it's me. I'm, you know, the, the your your leader from long from long ago. It'd be like if you know, Ramses the second right, like, showed up in the modern day or whatever. So he just becomes the leader of Kondok. And uh, and that and that is its own thing. And Bialya is also related to that, but typically framed in, like, kind of opposition to Kondok. And it's part of his, this, like, it's almost like an Israel-Palestine thing, but they're both Arab nations. There's nothing, you know, like, there's no religious conflict or anything about, you know, uh, like, Palestine or any, or any of that kind of complication. Just as, like, a... This, these are, it is constantly in conflict, these countries in the Middle East. Um, and yeah, I, I don't really know why they use Bialya if they're not going to do anything with, if they're not going to do anything with conduct, but you know, it's the world we live in. I was a little disappointed, I remember when I first watched, I mean, first of all, I think this episode sucks in general, uh, is maybe the worst of the season, the Injustice League episode with Poison Ivy, Baron, um, or Count Vertigo, uh, the Joker. God, like the worst Joker ever. Um, and uh, and Black Adam is in there, and he I don't even think he has a line. Like he's just there to punch people, basically. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I, I was not. A, I was not a super huge fan of it either. It feels like it's also like a level two eat. Like it's like you know, you know, break the the thing. Or I, and the thing I sent to you is like imagine being the Atomic Skull, another character I've never <laughs> heard of, and you're. It's like your job is just to stand there and be like literally a nuclear reactor and like you know shove power into this plant right like it, it was a fa i mean it was like a fake out that everybody saw i remember at the time there was a big question of cuz you know when you're when you're first introduced to the light they are hidden from you and so there's a question who's a member who who is part of the light or whatever and so um it was kind of like the first big fake out of like oh is this is this the light? Obviously not, you know. Uh, but at the time, we were all sort of speculating about it, right? Um, and it is sort of revealed to be a red herring in-universe, right? Like, the Injustice League is supposed to sort of throw the team and the Justice League off the trail of the light as they're doing their shit. Um, but, you know, it's there. Yeah, I mean... It Did is... you have, like, a favorite episode of, uh, over the course of the season? Ooh, um... Uh, what was, uh, I, I think I, I think I do. Let me, let me, let me look up the episode titles. Um, okay. Uh, uh, cause I, do, do you have one? 
You know, that's actually a good question that I don't have a great answer to. I mean, I've, I've mentioned a couple episodes that I that I do like quite a lot, but I don't know that there's any individual ones that I'm just like, yes, this is, this is, you know, this is my shit. Uh, I remember really liking Alpha Male, I think. Okay, that's the episode with, um, I think that's the episode where they are, that, that, that also might be my favorite episode, because that's the episode where it's all the drama about the, you know, um, Aqualad leading and keeping the mole a secret, I think. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, isn't that the episode where they find Wolf? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yes, mm. that is, that is. Yeah, it's, it's the, uh. I think that might also be the one with the damn dirty ape or darn dirty ape line in it. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, but I just remember it being. Oh, you know why part of it too is because I think this is also the Captain Marvel episode, um, where I feel yep. where I feel very you know very uh, very smart for for having you know had had that uh, you know known that. Um, I also think this is a point where like we like so part of the stuff that I I thought was bad was like the the teen drama stuff and like as the season goes on they do less. When I say teen drama stuff, I mean less, like, intra-party stuff and more kind of, like, you know, I'm just a normal kid living a normal day, but at night I'm a superhero type stuff. And then, like, by the end of the season, that's basically gone, right? Like, it's just, like, occasionally you dip into that world, but it's mostly kind of, like, you know, um, them doing superhero stuff. Um, and I feel like this was kind of around the start of that turning point where, like... Oh, no, I'm like, lying. I know my favorite episode is, is different than this, as I'm actually looking through the, the things. And it's because of one specific moment that just, like... Oh, what, what, it gets what is me it? so hard. Uh, misplaced. It's the episode where it splits oh, the yeah, kids yeah. and the adults. The payoff of Zatara put, taking the Helm of Fate from Zatanna and putting it on is so heart-wrenching. Oh my god. <laughs> like, it is so good. Especially because, like, they don't let it go. They Like, they don't, like, let it go. That's not the end of it, right? Because um, there are moments where, like, there's a moment, I think in the finale, where, you know, Dr. Fate has been mind-controlled. And Zatanna tries to pull him, it out. And then she runs over and tries to take the helmet off. And it, like, zaps her or something like that. And it's just like, what a great detail to add. It's so easy when the, the story ends, right? Like, that, you know, that kind of tension is relieved and we're, we're kind of past this right zatara has sacrificed himself he is now just dr fate we're paying off this dr fate episode from way earlier with kid flash where kid flash was like a non-believer or whatever and uh and dr face wanted to like hold on to him um it also retroactively makes the fake out much better i remember being very annoyed at the time when calder could just put on the dr fate helm and he took it off easy peasy i was like what the fuck you just told us how important it is to not just do that, right? That Dr. Fate wants to take control of somebody. Calder's already, you know, like, he's half of a sorcerer already or whatever. So just all of that stuff paying off felt so good. And it's just, oh, it's such a, oh, it's such a moment. Plus, I also just like the, um, the it, you know, obviously the League and the team don't know the age of Billy. Um, and it, that was, that's like a cool thing to kind of pay off, right? Where, um... He, you know, in the first episode you see him, you just meet Captain Marvel. And if you're, imagine you're a kid, you've never seen this guy before, right? You, you just see Captain Marvel and he's just another superhero you've never met before, but here he is, right? And then the end of the episode, he says Shazam and oh, would you look at that? He's actually a kid. That's like a neat little, you know, a neat little nod, a neat little continuity thing. Then later, later, you know, it comes up because 
this means he can be that kind of conduit transferring plot information between the two universes. And I was like, that's pretty cool, right? That you made this kind of just nod to the character, right? Actually pretty integral into the plot of an episode that is otherwise kind of fucking out there, if we're being honest. Yeah, no, and, you know, I, I will say the thing that I, like, like, why he did this didn't make sense like you know lord of chaos i guess you know it was it was zany right like you can get away with a lot of that right he's like one of those villains where you know he doesn't really need an explanation for doing something stupid because it's like in his nature or whatever but it did feel mm -hmm. kind of contrived it's like if you thought about it for too long it's like we're gonna split the universe there, no 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 so there is another there there is something that happens in this episode right 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 but like it's related to the meta plot where they're using the confusion to steal something I, I didn't even remember the details of it or whatever, right? So, theoretically, that's the reason why they're doing this, is to create enough chaos that we can steal another piece of this chip tech sure, or whatever. Sure, but, like, it also feels kind of like what, right? Like, you know, like... It, yeah. Mm -hmm. it, it, it's yeah, really it also true. feels a little weird that we've beaten Clarion before, um, and... Uh, that, you know, like, his power, that, that you, you would think, so the first time, I guess, you needed Dr. Fate to, to beat Clarion, fair enough, right? But it just kind of felt like the other, the, they, the, Zatanna did not need to put on the Helm of Fate yeah. in order to get there. I mean, I don't know, maybe I'm just, like, looking this gift horse in the mouth, because I think that that's such a great moment and everything like that, but... No, I think I, I think I agree with you. I feel like that payoff, like, the payoff is, is good in the way that it happens, but it feels like the circumstances are a little bit forced. Right, it doesn't Yeah, yeah. That's kinda what I that's kinda what I'm describing for sure. Um, um So but anyway, man, I love that moment so much. I like literally teared up when it happened again. And I knew it was coming. That's like the crazy thing, right? Yeah, no, I I, I, I agree. Like I mean it, I think it was kind of obvious, like that that like as soon as she puts it on, I'm like, Oh, it's gonna be her dad. Um especially because like I was I was looking at this like I know who's like as much as I show I'm like, I know who Zatanna is, but who the fuck is Satara? It's like, oh, it's her dad. And it's like, oh, okay. Yeah, so one of the interesting things about the construction of, like, the universe here. So Zatanna, in real DC Universe continuity, is the daughter of Zatara. And Zatara is, like, a famous superhero. But, like, her, she is the main character. And Zatara is almost always outside of the text, right? Like, the whole thing is that he has sacrificed himself to save the world from whatever. And she's kind of, like, learning to pick up in his footsteps, right? Like, that's kind of, like, the core of uh of her character and so it is extremely cool that she is used in this show this way right and especially because you know you get even though she's not a member of the team until way later right and um uh and zatara and and her are kind of like off screen like the the little interactions you do get between them i think are interesting and kind of dynamic right you know like there's the episode with secret where you know Zatanna is clearly kind of chase, chafing over her dad, who's like very overprotective, right? Um, and I think all of that kind of stuff is what builds to the moment that he becomes Doctor Fate, being so good. You know what I mean? Like even though this is a, a C character in the show, not one of the main cast, who's just kind of had a guest star appearance in a couple of odd episodes, right? Um, that stuff really builds into this this just like huge emotional moment. Um, later in the season, I also do like that in the like when they're doing like the like you know the 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 Justice League admission episode. They're like, so you know, Doctor Fate basically kidnapped Zatara. Are we cool with this? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've always loved like I've always loved that part of it. Um, 
the 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 Justice League sitting down at like the table and discussing who gets to be a member of the Justice League is like the coolest shit. There are always comic book comic book issues that are like this where it's like you know um, and like the Avengers will also do that. But like the, those issues of just or those episodes of like deciding who is on the team are really just fun because it's kind of like uh, I don't know. It, it kind of feels like. Um, I'm like discussing like could Goku beat Superman kind of questions, yeah, yeah. right? But in universe, if that makes sense. Cuz you're like, "Oh, we need a heavy hitter. We need a we need a tank. So let's take let's bring this person to the team." Oh, you know, the Atom is a science guy. We need a science guy on the team or whatever, you know, like whatever kinds of decisions you want to make and obviously like that was integral to the plot because it was the key by which red arrow makes the jump into the justice league and kind of gets you to the point where you know it's the climax um but those episodes are just cool they're just fun that's like designing super teams is like a commonly super cool thing about superhero comics right yeah arguing about who is cool who should be on the team oh if you could put anybody on the justice league who would it be who would it be i would put Plastic Man, because he's my favorite, or whatever, you know, like that kind of thing. Yeah, no, uh, yes, yes, yes. Are you depressed that Are you depressed that Plastic Man didn't have any lines that he didn't get? A to little bit. Stuff? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's because you know, there's no, there's you know, he if he shows up, he needs to show up. Like if he shows up yep. with lines, he needs to show up as like his his kooky self. Um, uh, who is the hero that's like silver with like a red star in the middle of his chest? Captain Adam. Okay. Um, which is different from Cap the Atom, who's a small one? Yeah, so the Atom shrinks. Okay. Captain Atom um, is, uh, he's like a military guy. Um, I can't remember his name. He, he's very frequently used, pitted as a very right-wing figure to fight Superman. Um, the thing with Captain Atom is that he is, uh, he's like a, an Air Force pilot or something like that and he like pilots this experimental aircraft and it blows up and it gives him the power to like absorb and control radiation but he he goes toe-to-toe -to -toe with superman because he can emit red sun like the radiation of a red sun which depowers superman not like krypton not like kryptonite like it doesn't right. hurt him but it does you know sap him of his strength or whatever so like for instance in justice league unlimited where uh lex luther becomes president and superman is like pissed about this or whatever and finds um you know cadmus which gets used in this and cadmus is doing secret bad underground government things superman breaks into cadmus and and lex luther sends captain adam to go get him and he's like this guy you know superman is trespassing he's breaking all this whatever right and so the big superhero fight is between superman and captain adam uh, he doesn't get used to do all that much here, but that's who he is, and that's kind of his like typical part in the in the show. Interesting. Um, they also don't do much with the with like the Green Lanterns or anything like that, or like the Hawks. So but, I, I wanted know, to ask it's you, nice that they're there. What is what is the like? There's there's this very clear clearly supposed to be an in, like an inside DC joke where they're like, there's a third Green Lantern on Earth. And like what about? And they're like, no, together like twice in a row. <laughs> It's like Guy do you Gardner. Know, uh, do you know about the punch? No. Uh, okay, so there's a very famous comic of Justice League, which was written by. Oh, is this a spousal abuse one? No, no, no. Okay. That, that's that's the Marvel. That's Giant Man. Okay, um, that makes sense. 
Yeah, the so the the punch is refers to a specific issue of Justice League International, which was run by Kevin DeMatteis and Keith Giffen. Are like they're like a like a pair. Keith Giffen is a fucking legend, by the way. Um, they this run is very good, and it has a very it, like a, a very strange team, right? It's not any of the normal characters. It's got like Fire and Ice, who are you know not featured here. I think Captain Adam is actually on that team. Uh, Guy Gardner is on that team, and Batman is also on that team. I think he leads the team at the time, right? Um, and it's funny because, like, it's known for being almost kind of like a sitcom in a way. Like, it's very comedic and funny and just more about, like, you know, here are a couple of superheroes and we're doing our whatever. Martian Manhunter might be on the team. Uh, so Guy Gardner is a very bold and loud and, like, brash character, right? Like, you know, he doesn't... He doesn't take shit from nobody, and he's and he's angry, and he'll tell everybody off, and he tells Batman to like eat a dick and everything like that. Um, and there's one issue of the Justice League International comic where Batman has enough with Guy Gardner's bullshit, and is like, if it wasn't for that ring, you know, I would whatever. And then Guy Gardner says, "Oh, what?" And he takes the ring off, and he like puts his dukes up. And Batman punches him once in the face, and Guy Gardner immediately fall, gets knocked out and goes to the ground. And this is, it's just a tiny bit in this issue, right? Like, it's completely unrelated to any, any of this stuff. It's not even, like, a momentous bit. It's just a bit, right? Um, and it just became hugely famous, it, which is why it's called The Punch, right? Like, it is a, it's a really well-known thing, right? Batman punches Guy Gardner in the face and knocks him out, you know, with one punch um, in in this thing. And so uh, I think it's a reference to that, where it's just like, you know, Guy Gardner is is a, is a loud, arrogant, braggart kind of character. He's there, but he chafes with the Justice League. He's not in a lot of inter, inter, like iterations of the Justice League or whatever. And uh, I just feel like it's a nod to that stuff. Okay. He's, he's very. I actually like Guy Gardner quite a lot. He has a really good. Uh, he has a really good relationship with Kyle Rayner, who's the fourth Green Lantern. So there's Hal Jordan, like kind of classic. John Stewart, who, you know, he's John Stewart. Um, Guy Gardner, who is this other guy, and then Kyle Rayner shows up in the '90s. And Kyle Rayner is a uh, is an artist, and for the while he's the last of the Green Lanterns. And Kyle is very like sensitive and like empathic and like emotional which makes him just like a fun kind of comedy pair with Guy Gardner because Guy Gardner's like you know he he just I don't know it, which, that just makes them a fun group to interact with right like Kyle gets really depressed about stuff and Guy Gardner's like you know cheer up bucko let's go beat up some space aliens which, which one is like can't control wood and which one is can't control yellow because I know that these eventually uh, get... All four of these are Can't Control Yellow. That, that's gone by this point in, like, you know, comics continuity. Um, can't, can't Control Wood is the original Green Lantern, which is in the Justice Society, which is completely unrelated to the Green Lantern Corps, all that stuff. That guy, a meteor falls to planet Earth called the Star Heart, and, uh, and the dude carves a ring and a lantern out of it because it's, like, emitting this whatever. Uh, and you later learn that the Star Heart is, like... Um, it's like a really powerful mystical artifact. Like it's magic. It's not. It's not space. It's not science shit, right? Um, and so he can't do wood because of the mystical, okay, side of things, which is you what, know. What's his real name? Uh, Alan. 
something. Okay. But like, is, is he just like not in the, in the continuity? Like, like, how do they rectify like the fact that like he's Green Lantern and like Alan Scott is his name? Okay. Um, I don't know where he fits in inside of this continuity. In the comics continuity, he fits on alongside of. So basically, okay. So in like previous DC lore, right? There were two universes. There's Earth One, right, which is like where Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman are. Okay, actually, I'm doing a bad job of explaining this. Okay, let's do let's do this chronologically in real 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 world times. What happens is in the 1940s, Superman comes out. Wonder Woman and Batman follow very quickly, right? All three of those are super popular. Then the Flash, the Atom. Green Lantern, Aquaman, all of these all of these comic books all come out in the 1940s. Over the course of the 40s, superheroes become less and less popular into the 1950s where they're basically not that popular at all, right? So most of these characters fall away except for Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman. This initial right? is this is the Silver Age, right? Or... Yeah, so so this is the Golden Age. Okay. In in the 40s is like the Golden Age, right? Okay. Then in the late 50s, early 60s, some of these comic book writers say hey wouldn't it be cool if we re we essentially rebooted green lantern right and he doesn't carve a lantern out of a meteor but he's a space cop right okay. a, a ship crashes and an alien says you you've been inducted into the green lantern Corps, right wouldn't it be cool if instead of uh i actually don't remember how the original flash got his powers but the the new flash he gets struck by lightning and then and then it's the flash so they created a new version of flash aquaman Green Lantern, you know, uh, Hawkman, Hawkwoman, uh, all, a ton of these, right? The Adam, the, the the original Adam is a wrestler, but he's five foot tall, so he's just small, and that's why they call him the Adam. And um, and he eventually gets like radiation powers or something like that. Like uh, I don't know, he eventually gets some. He eventually gets some powers. The new Adam obviously is the guy that can that can shrink. This is Ray Palmer. So what hap what happens in the eighties? Or what happens in like the 60s and 70s is they go, okay, well, now we have people who remember Alan Scott Green Lantern and also know Alan, you know, uh, know Hal Jordan Green Lantern, right? And they go, okay, we want to do an episode, we want to do an issue of the Justice League where Hal Jordan meets Alan Scott, basically, right? So Batman, his mythology is the exact same. Superman's mythology is the exact same because those comics have been running the entire time. Right. No break, right? It's still Clark Kent, Bruce Wayne. There's no alternate version. Um, and they do this thing, and this is where the multiverse comes from, where the the Justice League goes to an alternate universe where there's the Justice Society, and the Justice Society is Alan Scott. It's uh, Jay Garrick is the original version of The Flash, um, it's like, you know, the two different atoms, that kind of stuff, right? There's also the difference between why there is Hawkman, the space cop, the Thanagarian Hawkman, and there's Hawkman, the ancient Egypt Hawkman, because the first version of Hawkman is ancient Egypt, the second version is space cop. Um, so these are in two different universes. It's called Earth-1 and Earth-2. Earth-1 has Batman and Superman, Earth-2 has you know, the Golden Age Green Lantern, the Golden Age Flash, those guys. Then, in 1986, you have Crisis on Infinite Earths, which condenses the entire DC multiverse, which includes way more places, right? Because what they what it used to be is you would be it would be like, 
Crisis on Earth 2, and it's a big event comic where the Justice League goes to Earth 2 and hangs out with the Justice Society. And then there's Crisis on Earth 3, where they go to Earth 3, and Earth 3 is where the Justice League is the crime syndicate, and it's all of the evil, it's evil Superman, evil Batman, right? All that stuff, right? They condense all of these into one reality in Crisis on Infinite Earths, where they basically say, okay, in the 1940s, there's Alan Scott, there's Jay Garrick, they fight in World War II, for president roosevelt um but superman batman wonder woman are not around then superman batman and wonder woman show up and you know the new version of green lantern and flash and whoever show up and they are all in the same continuity right but they are not related to to one another right alan shore or uh, not alan shore alan scott yeah. is called green lantern but he's not related to space cops even though they both exist in the same continuity at this point um so they have mentioned the justice they've mentioned the justice society in young justice uh so for instance in the red tornado episode <laughs> red tornado is another good example of this red tornado is a, just a woman with tornado powers and then gets rebooted as a robot um so they in that episode they mentioned the original justice society doesn't include superman doesn't include batman or anything like that we don't really know who's in that um, I'm sure I could actually take a look and probably identify, like, I bet this is one of those Easter egg things where I could probably just look and see the costumes and go, oh, that's Wildcat, that's Sandman, that's, you know, whoever. Um, but most of the time, they are, like, the old, they're, like, the old guys mm. compared to, you know, the Justice League uh, or, like, the Teen Titans. In, in A lot of the times in comic book continuity, like, in modern comic book stuff, the Justice Society is, like kind of like a family affair where they um it, it's all about like these long legacies and finding like the kids of old superheroes and, and integrating them uh the justice league is kind of like a strike force you know it's more tactical um kind of like what we see in young justice and then the teen titans is like teen drama <laughs> you know what they say buddy there's nothing stronger than family <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's true anyway so that's i don't know that's like yeah sorry for leading you on a, on, on a mango ass about comic book lore you know tangent. i'm happy to explain it. it's good shit right <laughs> like, yeah. no i mean i think this is part of like what makes to bring it back with justice young justice like taps into right like because there's a lot of like you know like oh that's like that's the thing i recognize it's a thing you know this is clearly an easter egg this is an easter egg these there's like so much random yeah, stuff like the, the love... new gods right like the yeah and I love the interaction. Uh, this is this is the kind of why I say it is like the platonic ideal of the DC universe. It is so much about legacy, right? Like one of the things that makes DC unique compared to Marvel is that Marvel doesn't really have sidekicks, right? You know, like you think about Spider-Man, Iron Man, Thor. There are other heroes in their orbit in the same way that like, you know, you might say Batman has other heroes in his orbit. But Batman has other heroes in his orbit in a familial relationship right. right nightwing is his his eldest son right and then robin is the younger brother to nightwing and then batgirl is their sister right and then you know and we could go on and create a whole family tree out of all of the all of the, diff the different people the bat people right you know eventually batgirl gets shot in killing joke and she becomes oracle and then there's a new batgirl and it's just like you know on and on and on but that stuff is always very it, there's like a real lineage to it which um, I mean, this should have been this show cool. too, right? Like the 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 flashes like have like a family gathering of like the different 
Uh, of the like, there's like yeah, you yeah, that's actually true. You because you're there for gay Jay Garrick. So Jay Garrick, who they mention, is the Golden Age Flash, and he says he's too slow now in his old age. Right, that's the Golden Age Flash. Then there's Barry Allen, who's the Justice League Flash, and then there's Wally West, who's obviously Kid Flash. Right, um, and that and that generationalness is something that I think is like in, intrinsic to what makes the DC universe like work and be cool. Um, and I just don't think anything else ever focuses on that. Like, obviously, the movies don't do any of this at all. I mean, we haven't had a Batman movie with a real Robin, basically, ever. I, I mean, I I have a soft spot for those Joel Schumacher movies, but I don't think that they really count, to be honest. Mm. Um, and, uh, and so it's nice to see, like, oh, yeah, here's Batman, and here's Dick Grayson, right? Yeah. Um, oh, and you get references to Barbara Gordon, right? You obviously see Speedy grows up into Red Arrow, which he also does in the comics, right? You know, um, and uh, and Green Arrow takes on a new sidekick who in this instance is Artemis. In the comics, it's a couple of different people. There's a couple of different versions of this, right? Um, and so just like all of that mixes together and is like a cool thing, I guess. Yeah, no, I mean, to your point, right, like, these, this is all kind of, like, sidekick version type stuff, right? Like, I guess Superboy tends to technically count, but, like, even, like, Teen Titans, right, is, like, most of them are their own thing, um, mm. with the exception of, uh, with the exception of Robin. Um, and, and, and even then, they can't say Batman's name. A lot of this is, like, rights stuff. Like, Young Justice got very sweeping rights to use everybody without any, you know, like, without any issues at all. But in the Teen Titans show, they just couldn't say Batman, right? Really? Because there was another Batman show at the time. Yeah, this was, like, this was an, an artifact of how the rights of these shows got divvied up in kind of the way that, like, you know... The Marvel the Universe. Yeah, X-Men. Yeah, yeah, like, the Marvel yeah. Universe, you can't say mutant or whatever, right? It's the, it's the same sort of thing, right? On Kids WB, if you have... Batman Beyond this is not a real thing, but you, if you have Batman Beyond, and then on Cartoon Network you have Teen Titans, right? The Batman Beyond people own the television rights to Batman and Bruce Wayne, right? So you just can't talk about Batman and Bruce Wayne on Teen Titans, um, which is why they famously have to sort of allude to it when Deathstroke says to, uh, or Slade in that show says to Robin, you know, you need a you need a dad and robin goes i already have a father right like that's the closest you get you yeah. know um so yeah yeah very cool no it's it's uh it's, it's definitely a fun show i'm definitely looking forward to seeing more of it um uh, are we doing are we doing more of it i mean we can talk about this offcast if we know are we doing that next week what do you want to do well, next, ne week? next week is black oh, shit. widow black widow yeah fuck god damn yeah next week is black widow okay fair enough which, which <laughs> might be the the marvel movie that i'm least excited for because it's like i have zero hype or interest <laughs> like i could care less just because like it's it's set in like unless they like you know do like a post-credit thing about like how she secretly survived it's like you know what's the point right like other than maybe to introduce her sister who i guess become like who knows i don't actually know yeah. what happens in that movie but like i would not be surprised if this was a situation of her sister becomes the new black widow black widow is an interesting version in the marvel universe because a lot of the times in the marvel universe you'll have characters who who adopt sort of one another's right take on persona, the mantle right like yeah 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we haven't even done, like, Falcon and Winter Soldier, right? But obviously the whole question of Falcon and Winter Soldier is who's going to be the next Captain America, America yeah, yeah. or is it going to be Sam Wilson, right? So, like, you can pass on the mantle of the of the hero from one to the other kind of thing. Um, and I have a feeling that's what's going to happen in Black Widow. It's going to be whatever her sister is, is. Yeah. Um, you know, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, I do not care that much at all. Fair enough, yeah. Um... All right, uh, but yeah, we—I mean, we also have to do BNHE, which I think we did. Like, I think when we did our cast, it was like towards the end of the third season or at the end of the third season of BNHE. Um, okay. Because I think we were gonna interleave them. We'll, we'll figure it out. We'll, we'll talk about the soft cast next week. Is definitely gonna be Black Widow. Um, for I, sure. Because I've got tickets for it already. Um, movies. God, I'm gonna have to get tickets for it. Um, it's gonna be nice going to the movies again. I haven't—I haven't gone to the movies. They just opened up nice. a couple of weeks ago in LA. Um, and really, I should. I should go see Fast and Furious 9. <laughs> I keep getting all these amazing family memes, and I haven't actually... Yeah, yeah, no. I mean, that's... So, uh... So, I guess jump into it. Besides, uh, you know, sending and receiving family memes, uh, what, how's your week been? <laughs> I, don't know. Uh, I think the big news is 9.1, right? Obviously, the new yeah. wild patch dropped. I, actually, the, uh... ju- just to stop you, I feel, I feel like we should like end with 9.1 because it's, like it's probably going to be like you know most of this conversation, right? Like we can probably... Okay, that's fair. Um, besides uh, 9.1, how's your week been? Besides 9.1, I've been watching... So I've been watching two other shows. One, uh, so I talked about Pose. Po- I, I got to the end of season two of Pose. I think season three is airing right now, but it was just everything that was on Netflix. I would highly recommend that show. It's very good. And I was very surprised at how good it was. Um, I think part of this might be kind of unique to me because this is sort of a, a period in history that um, I've always been really interested in but never had any kind of window to. Um, so, like, the, it, you know, Pose covers the late 80s, the early 90s, um, and then later the mid-90s in um, kind of the the uh, LGBT... Uh, section right of of new york city or whatever but one of the big storylines kind of underneath it is aids um and how you know like the hiv epidemic like really hit the queer communities in you know places like new york city which is something that i have wanted to know about kind of my whole life in a way like it it's the perfect important thing that happened in history that we did not ever get taught in school because it was too recent you know what i mean like you know school kind of ended at watergate or reagan for us we never actually got to do you know more like modern stuff just because it was like it was like too recent so i feel like i just don't have a good understanding of like the aids epidemic and i've always wanted to know more about it and uh and poses like a good dramatization of sort of those communities at that time and how they were dealing with it and interacting with it um, so, so I finished Pose, which I... Oh, I was going to go say, in choir in middle school, uh, I sang uh, 525,600 minutes, which, like, <laughs> without, like, any of the context, they're just like, oh, what, what is this Rent thing? It's like, and, like... My yeah. dad really hates Rent. Well, this is actually part of it. So, I don't know. I don't know if I should really talk about this on cast. Nah, it's fine. So, my dad's I, I, so, best friend... So, wait, wait, hold on. The last time you weren't sure about this... I had to cut it, and I can't cut it when it's live. So make very okay. Sure. That's fair. No, I mean this is just this is just like personal family history okay. stuff. My dad's best friend was uh, was a gay guy. His name was Tom, and he died of AIDS. And I remember my I I have always hated Rent. 
and I think the the kernel of that hatred came from him. He really doesn't like Rent because uh, he thinks Rent is, you know, I don't know, like fake or false about you know like the AIDS epidemic, obviously. Um, so I yeah, uh, I, singing five hundred twenty five thousand six hundred minutes is. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it interesting because I do remember learning about AIDS. Um, none of like like the salacious parts, right? None of like the you know policy parts or like you know the fact that it was originally called grids um uh but it but uh or, or even kind of like the association like along with that the association with with with, with homosexuality um i do remember yeah. like you know thinking it learning about it in kind of like a very scientific thing right like i remember learning about like not the details of how it happened but the thought that it came from monkeys in africa right i remember learning that too i think i learned more about it in a biology class where it was talked about as a like yeah, as you know a that's disease, probably what it was yeah completely divorced from the culture because I I definitely remember learning about that AIDS was a thing especially because the term a cure for AIDS was pretty common yeah. at the time um, and like now we might say a cure for cancer right like oh like science like science is trying to find a cure for cancer right at the time it was trying to find a cure for AIDS or whatever I didn't even understand like any of the connection to like homosexuality or any of that stuff. Because it was pretty clinically taught to us just, like, as an example of a an incredibly contagious virus or whatever. Yeah. I mean, this um, is also, like, before a Burgefell, right? Like, this is, like, and this is before, like, this is, yeah. what like, Massachusetts legalizes gay marriage, I think, in, like, 2004, I want to say. I could be wrong. Well, about. I guess I did learn about it in high school. I mean, I think I, I went to a very, uh, you know, like, LGBT-friendly high school just because of where I grew up, where there were just, like, a lot of gay couples. Uh, in our town, like I had a lot of friends in high school who had two dads or two moms or whatever. Um, no, I mean, I re- but I'm just thinking, I, I I must have learned about this in middle school or something because I definitely learned about AIDS clinically as a virus yeah. much earlier than I learned about it as a this is something that you know absolutely ravaged the homosexual community in the late '80s and early '90s. Yeah, I mean, well, the, p- part of it was like, well, it was. Like, I feel like that would be around when we were, like, start, like, it took us a while to realize, like, as, like, a, a, a world to realize that it wasn't mm-hmm. just, like, a homosexual thing, right? Like, yeah. um, uh, just kind of, I guess, by the nature of, like, how it spreads, it, like, it, it took, it, it took something What's to... the basketball to, player's name? I was, uh, Darryl, that, was it Strawberry? Right? Was it Daryl Strawberry? Was oh. it, or, I'm thinking Magic Johnson. Okay. Is he the one? I, I might be thinking incorrectly. I remember a ba- maybe... I, I remember, I don't even want to say this because I feel like it's incorrect, but I remember a, uh, like, someone once told me that it was a high-profile athlete who got AIDS and it, oh, I'm actually correct. Okay, so since his retirement, Johnson has been an advocate for HIV AIDS prevention safe sex as well as all this other stuff. Um, his public announcement of his HIV positive status in 1991 helped dispel the stereotype still widely held at the time that HIV was a gay disease and that heterosexuals need not worry about it. Yeah. So, okay. That's, that is true. I'm glad that I, I said this thing. Yeah. yeah. Cause it took until, um, uh, like high profile straight guys were talking about how they, how they had contracted AIDS, um, in order to kind of like shake people out of it, even though like, uh, like big actors at the time. You know, Ronald Reagan, it was Rock Hudson that made Ronald Reagan take AIDS seriously because Rock Hudson and Ronald Reagan were friends. Yeah, and uh, Rock Hudson was, you know. like, like the, the famously kind of, like, 
you know, open secret gay type type deal. Yeah, yeah, like theoretically closeted, but everybody knew he was gay. Yeah. Like Liberace or something like that, right, at the time. Yeah, yeah. God, it's so different now, right? Yeah, no, like, I mean, like, and this is something that happened, you know, like, you know, this is something that happened in our lifetime, right? Like, yeah, like, in I mean, our lifetimes. And, and, you know, to give us a little credit, right, like, it's the millennials that were kind of like the, the generation that, that, that carried forward the idea that, like, being a homosexual is acceptable, right? Like, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, like it's 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 it is amazing, right? Because like, um, I think I think this was like in the descent in a Bergefell, right? Like that, like this is a thing that like went from like, like very little approval to like over overwhelming approval in like ten years, which is like crazy, right? Oh like, yeah, same sex marriage. I remember we. It was a huge debate in New Jersey because New Jersey did not have same-sex marriage, but it did have civil the, unions. Well, the civil union and was, it was I all think, about the yeah. It was it was like well, while civil we were union in school. is the word. It's the, it's the exact same thing as marriage, right? Yeah. But it doesn't use the word. Yeah. Like yeah. legally speaking or whatever, yeah, and that yeah. was this huge you know point of argumentation at the time, where it's like oh I you know I if two if two men want to live together and have that kind of relationship that's fine but marriage is between a man and a woman or whatever yeah, i mean well hey you know? bill clinton signed the defense of marriage act right like that was like yeah that's true right <laughs> um and you know, like um like the the classic example is, is barack obama right who was like mm-hmm. against it like in the beginning of his administration and like you know changed you know as as it became more politically tenable which is it just you know Crazy, crazy things, right? Like, um, yeah, I mean, it is weird for sure, yeah. right? And now you have right now you have right wing uh, Caitlyn Jenner running as a Republican transgender uh, candidate for like California governor or something like that, right? Like, just imagine those words, yeah, 10, 20 years ago. It's like absolutely yeah, no. There, there are there are like several high profile and like not just crazy ones like you know right you know uh, republicans right like i don't think <laughs> yeah. any of them are in office um that i can think of but like um uh, who, who am i thinking of there, there's 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 a there's a handful of them like there's they, like uh they're like writers or or, or whatnot or like p- pundit types but uh you know it's, mm-hmm. it's but anyway yeah so Po- I finished. I I finished the first two seasons of Pose. It's great. I it's highly recommended. I you know I don't, it, it's not worthy worthy of a cast or anything like that. But if you're just starving for something to to watch, that's just good a good old time. Absolutely a good show for it. The other thing that I did is I started watching Better Call Saul again because I just was on Netflix and I had not realized that I needed to watch 26 episodes of Young Justice and I was just like farming dailies or something like that i was like what hmm, hmm, what should i watch and i and i opened up netflix and the first thing i saw was better call Saul, and i was like yeah i'm gonna watch this and it was great and i loved i just god that show is so good just from you know its first couple of minutes the the montage um i think the best montage i've ever seen in film or television is in mind hunter which is set to fly like an eagle where it um, it kind of tracks the two main characters who do this thing called road school, where they're FBI agents who go town to town and kind of coach police officers into how to investigate murder cases. It is it's an incredibly well edited sequence. I think the number two sequence, like the number two montage, is the Jimmy's a public defender montage in episode two or three of Better Call Saul, where he's just you know he's. He's 
talking to the one DA, Petty with a prior. He's getting coffee from, like, the coffee thing. You know, it's just, like, it's so many good little moments. And the filmmaking is just great. And, oh, it's, like, I've seen this show how many times at this point? But it always just, like, completely takes my breath away. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. No, that, that that's... It's a great show, and we. Uh, I look forward. We, there's the. Uh, I do. I very much look forward to the next season yeah. when we get to when we get to cast about it again. Um, what uh, what have you been up to? Uh, yeah. So, but besides about only two small things, and we're the the one small thing is Guilty Gear. More Guilty Gear. Always Guilty Gear. Forever. Uh, it is. <laughs> nice. It is so much fun. Just like. The so, so somebody put like I think Say Jam, who's who's a famous caster, said something like there's something about the grappler br- brain, right? It's like just about like taking shit until you make the one perfect read, and like you just like throw someone for like a billion damage. Like yeah, that, that's that's definitely it, right? Like um, there's this. So Potemkin has this thing. It's called the Kara cancel, which is he's got a shoulder charge, um, and you can cancel that into another special move, and so at round start, if you and it's it's pretty tough to pull off, especially for me, because I'm not great at this stuff. But, like, mm. at round start, you can immediately grab someone. But, like, it requires them to, like, not do, like, they, they can't have done anything that'll beat it, which is, like, a lot of things, right? Um, okay. And, like, um, and, every, like, every once in a while, I'll go for it, and I'll get it, and it just feels so perfect. It's just like, oh, man, you, <laughs> like, you were anticipating me, like, because, like, that's me, like, you know. Rotating options on round start is, like, a whole thing, right? It's like, what are you going to do when the round starts? It's like, well, I know that you like to do this, so I'm going to go over it. And it's like, well, maybe I'll catch you blocking this round, and I'll get the grab. And when I do it, it's just like, oh, yes. Because it's, like, such a demoralizing way to start the round. Because it is it it is a hugely damaging move. If you get it, it's like, you're, like, you already got, like, 40% of their health down. So it's just, wow. you know, learning learning the – Guilty Gear also has, like, a weird health scaling system. Like, you take less damage the, the lower health you are. It's – Makes for good drama, okay. but like it also makes kind of like legibility tough um, in terms of like understanding yeah. exactly what's going to happen. Um, but it's you know it's super fun. I'm I'm having a great time with it. I'm at level eight and I've been there for a while and it feels like this is about the right level for me, which is satisfying for me because it's like it goes up to level ten and then there's like a uh, like a heaven section which is like the the real killers. Um, mm-hmm. And I am I have been terrified that I'm going to like fall out of eight for a while just because like it's like just maybe a little bit more tough than I want it to be, like, than, like, like than 50-50, but, like, that's kind of where I want to be from, like, challenging myself type level. Um, yeah, sure. And so there's a lot of matchup learning, a lot of, like, execution stuff, right? Like, my execution's not great, and, like, every time I do an input and I don't get the thing out I want is, is tough, but, you know, it's fun. It's it's super fun. It's the first time I've, like, felt this grabbed by a fighting game in a long time, so. You um, know, that's honestly, that's great. I feel like we're constantly talking about fighting games on the show, and they, they, they kind of bounce off you, right? Like, you know, it's like, oh, well, I'm playing whatever, and it's three yeah. weeks, and then it's a new thing, right? Um, so hope, but hope, Guilty Gear Strive yeah. is, is in its prime. Yeah, and I, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to, like, I'll, hopefully I'll watch Evo. Um, maybe I'll, uh, I'm thinking about whether or not I want to try and participate, but it's like, you know, it, because it, it's, <laughs> it's, remote, it's remote this year again. So, um, mm-hmm. and also Sony owns Evo now, so I don't know, I don't know how that's all going to play yeah, out. Yeah, that's the weird part, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, the other big thing I did was uh, last night I watched uh, Bo Burnham's new special, Inside, which is... Ooh, I have not watched it yet, but everybody keeps recommending it to me. It is a lot of fun. Um, I think some of the first half is a little bit not great. Um, or at least to me it feels a little... a little. Um, 
dry, a little, like or it feels a little predictable, right? Like okay, um, like he he does some kind of like standard kind of like you know New York City politics level, uh, you know, of like you know I'm a white guy, ha, huh? right? And it just it feels like there's not like much more of a joke there other than like you know, um, uh, you know like that kind of thing. Um, and there's some there's some decent gags. There's also like some stuff that feels like it goes on a little bit too long. Like he does like a he, it's, it's a lot of it's about internet culture. Um, okay. And there's a moment where he does a reaction video to a thing he just did. And it's funny for a little while, but then it goes on for too long. Um, I won't spoil okay. more of it, but uh, it's... That's interesting. God, man, I really do need to watch... You, you uh, should. I need to watch the and special. Some of the, so some of the songs, like, are just, like, really good earworms. Like, um, like, like for people at home who maybe don't have Netflix or, like... Uh, just want to like, like watch a little piece of it. Um, go look at the video for uh, "Welcome to the Internet." Um, it just crawled into my brain, and like it won't come out. Like it is. <laughs> um, there's a couple ones like this. So the best video I think is "White Woman's Instagram," um, which is he like it's it's the song's fine or whatever, uh, and the song the song's also another earworm, but like he the video is him like recreating stereotypical like white woman instagram like posts and it's just like it's just so perfect right it's like him like like you know like the balloon like balloons falling or like it, like and he, he's it's, it's all the whole thing is like just in front of this one wall and him just like doing it up like putting way too much effort into it like you know like the white woman's instagram. You know, it's like you know, he puts like lights around it and like does like a pose it's it's it is <laughs> phenomenally done and um after i watched it once i was like watching it on my phone just before i went to bed because it was like stuck in my head and like in the darkness like it's boxed so it's like that four to three ratio like that instagram is right so like you're watching it on sure. your phone and it's just like perfectly like you know oh this is like you know a, you know a, an instagram song in, in a post um there's an early site gag that it's like um in this kind of like um one one note kind of bit about like uh you know like uh, being a white guy, it's like, um, it's like, I think it's, it's like Martin Luther King Jr. plus Weird Al equals Bo Burnham, um, uh, which I thought was a decent gag, but like, um, it feels like he's kind of like in that Weird Al phase, um, like where he's like really kind of like got, got it down and like the songs feel like real pop songs rather than kind of mm -hmm. like, like his, his, um, his older stuff, his YouTube stuff, is is funny, but it's like clearly like um, kind of like stand up in song form, if that makes sense. Whereas this feels like songs with comedy attached. And there's like, okay, I think there's some interesting stuff there. Like, if you watch it and you want to talk about it, one of these end of episode segments, I think we should. Um, but yeah, I'll probably try and yeah. try and watch it next week, and we can yeah. and we can maybe talk about it because I'm very interested by what I'm hearing and reading yeah. about it and i want to know more so yeah yeah um i don't think it's i don't think it's a full episode but i do think it's, it'd be good after segment so we'll do that um and now that we've got like 10-ish minutes less let's talk about 9.1 since that's the bulk of our weeks i assume right okay yeah, yeah. uh so 9.1 came out chains of domination patch the season itself has not started right so we're still in season one there's no new raid no new dungeon no new mythic plus stuff but we got a bunch of new content, so there is the story gate into 9.1, which is the Battle of Ardenweald. 
and then the addition of Corthia and some more story questing related to you know, like that and the and the mob, right? Um, introducing a couple of new things, right? Um, how 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 have you been? How have you been finding it? Is it is it good stuff? Is it bad stuff? Are you are you into it? Do you hate it? Most most give, of give it, me all the opinions. Most of it's good, I think. Like Corthy is fun. Um, like there's just you know it's like a thing to do that doesn't feel like it's you know I'm doing the same thing over and over again, which is nice. Yeah. Um, uh, I also feel like it is valuable, which I haven't had a feeling of that in a long time. I've like you know I've been I've been farming I've been farming the maw for a long time, but at a certain point I had gems on everything and I had sockets on everything or i had sockets on everything i had all my conduits upgraded or whatever and i wanted to do stuff but there was nothing that had worthwhile rewards right like at that point i'm just maxed out on things and so it was like i want to play wow but it's nothing to do or right. whatever so it's nice that i you know in corthia it's now like okay this is this stuff has a purpose right yeah plus there's like a lot of more item levels to to, to jump to to dick around with right um yeah uh and you know, I, I'm I'm have like there's also like little things, right? Like there's like um, like the like the the horse mount or whatever, or the unicorn mount that mm -hmm. like you have to run around and find. Like that's, it's all, it's all been definitely novel and, and, and super fun. Um, very specifically to monks, they broke death touch. Um, in a weird way. Really? It's not it's not broken broken. Like it still it still works the way it's supposed to, but for some reason, like you can do it early on like i think it's just mobs in corthia and like like it'll do like the like 35 percent of their health thing or no not 35 percent of your health thing that happens okay. on bosses but you can do it at a point before they're at 15 percent of their health and it and apparently it also broke it broke the um scaling you know like the scaling on your max health like if in i was reading on the forums that in um what's the name of it um torgast um, that the touch of death build doesn't work anymore. Like it, it's only under your base health, um, and it's been that huh. way for a week. Um, and it's not the end of the world, right? Like um, I haven't done Torghast. I'm probably gonna try that tonight after we finish here, just to, to you know. Oh, I really love the new Torghast. I had a blast. It, everything I always talked about being great in, in visions. I mean, I, I liked old or, old Torghast fine, and it was like a great way to just like kill an hour or whatever. But like new new Torghast, man. Mm. It's my shit. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah. So yeah. so that's really interesting. Like breaking touch of death, breaking that hard. Yeah, and it, again, it's not broke. It like it works the way it's supposed to in the situations that it that it can be in. But like it's like just got some weird behavior other places. And uh, um, uh, other oh so so one of the changes that I thought was like really cool. Um, oh, they also broke the fucking arena skirmish quest. Um, cause really, yeah, the honor doesn't accumulate properly. Like I got like 10 honor <laughs> and like, that's it. Um, um, I mean, so I, you, you accumulate honor properly for yourself, but not for the purposes of getting the quest done, um, for whatever reason. Um, I don't know if they fixed that, but like I tried it a couple days ago. I was like, I'm not getting honor for this. Uh, screw it. But they did add a quest to get a, an open world kill in war mode. Um, <laughs> Which is fun. It's a lot of fun, you know. I remember those quests in BFA. I did a couple of those to get. It was it was a fun thing to do early in the expansion to get gear. Uh, well, specifically when you were alliance side, because the quest was always alliance side. But I don't know. Well, what you, what do you, what do you mean it was? I might be thinking of something different at that point. There's an alliance side quest that that 
So, okay, so the way the way it works in war mode is when there's a faction balance in war mode, if one faction is more in war mode than the other, the other faction gets a quest to get a, an item, right? okay. like a powerful item, that is, uh, that is kill another, like kill somebody in war mode, which is, you know, to incentivize if it's always alliance. There's way more horde that are in war mode. The, it, it just says, hey, if you're alliance, go into war mode. Hang out in war mode for a bit. Kill somebody. Which is part of why the mob was such a bloodbath at the beginning of Shadowlands. Because all of the alliance had that quest and they needed the gear. It's good gear, right? Oh my god, the siren. I'm sorry. Um, it's good gear, right? So they would make, so they would camp the entrance to Venaris and just slaughter people. Hey, it's. Uh, I mean, it, but so this must be this must be something different then. Is this like call to arms? Uh, this is like when you enter Oribos and you turn right where the PvP vendors are. The it always has like okay. two weekly quests. One which is like one rated, one public, and now there's a third one which is like a war mode quest. So. Okay. Yeah. Um, so those also existed. They didn't re reward items, uh, but uh, yeah, I remember this just those, rewards those... two fifty anima and some honor and conquest. I think so. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Those also existed. They were different. They were they were the call to arms quest. I thought you were talking about against overwhelming odds. Um, no. I, I don't really do much stuff in war mode because I'm lazy, uh, and so ten uh, percent more, man. Uh, I you know honestly I should I the, the thing my thing about my thing about war mode, I hate it. I, I never start fights with people because that's not fun. And I hate it when I'm just trying to do my thing and somebody starts a fight with me. And I like world PvP because I love when somebody starts shit with me and I kill them. Like, there's just nothing more fun than somebody starts fighting you and you're just like, okay, motherfucker, and you, like, smack them down, right? But I just get very frustrated if I'm just, like, sitting here trying to do, like, a world quest or whatever. And so it's like, it's like you know, it's like mosquitoes buzzing around my... Get the fuck, get the fuck out of here. I'm trying to focus on my world quest. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> yeah. So no, I mean, I have fun with that's it, fair. so... Did you do uh did you do the maw assaults? The maw assaults are the the that's the shining thing in 8.1 that I've had the most fun with. Maw assaults were, were fun. Um so so one of the fun things one of the silly things that I think is fun is like there's like people hanging out like people haven't been hanging out at the mouth of the maw for a while but they did with this patch. Mm -hmm. But if you get on like the thing that delivers you to the assault you become immune. So it's just like for it's just like <laughs> you know Chi torpedo out of the out of the mouth, like beelining it for the fucking uh, for the fucking you know delivery mount and jumping on, so you can like run all the uh, you know right all the way to the the assault area. But, yeah. Um, yeah, I loved um, the thing I loved about the maw assaults is uh, that it just has all these references to stuff that like you know like I, I obviously I did the legion assaults and the the BFA assaults or whatever, and those were both kind of leveling content. Which, like, didn't feel worth it for me at max level. It was kind of like, why would I ever, on bear, yeah. you know, like, do a, do a, an assault? I don't need to, I don't need to experience the items are bad, all this other sort of stuff, right? Um, but um, the maw assaults are quite competitive, right? They're, they're one of the most efficient things you can do in terms of, like, world content getting stuff, right? Like, they're putting out, like, basically top-level world quest gear, which, granted, is way below what I'm getting, but they give you Quarthite crystals, right? Like, those those legendary crystals, you know, etc. Um, and the... Um, and they're very story-related, right? You know, one of the cool things... You know, like, there's Tubbins and Gubbins, who are Theotar's little... Assistance. Guys, whatever. Yeah. 
yeah, the, the dredgers, right? He has his two little dredgers. The quest is you, you go and you give Theotar's tea to everybody as tuppins and gubbins. Um, there's another one where you fly as a stone fiend. This is actually a stone fiend, that, which are like the little imp guys, right? Um, you actually... You do a quest. His name is Timmel, and I noticed it because I have the quest in my inventory, or like in my quest log, on somebody who I was doing this on. And it was like, oh right, I remember. There was a quest where there was a stone fiend that had been ripped apart, and the quest was go get his head, his body, and his wings or whatever, and bring them to the guy, and he's going to stick them back together, and Temmel's going to be fine. And it's just like stuff like that, right? Like Theodax, the um, the the gay horse dad, w which we call them, <laughs> in the in the Ardenweald questing is the the he's like one of the night warriors or whatever but like he's there and he's like hey go get these druid spirits or whatever which i just like it's neat seeing those guys in the world and they're doing stuff and hanging out with them i i really loved the you know like that there is the main covenant who's most doing most of the stuff and then it's sort of like the side covenant who's like just helping out or whatever like it, that's just i don't know that's just good shit that is probably my favorite version of these maw are these like assault sort of weekly assaults that they that they've ever put into the game? Yeah, I mean they're 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 every three days too, so you get it, you can do them a little bit faster. Um, I do yeah. I do think like the part of that that which is like um. Uh, uh like the weekly like the 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 renown uh part of it mm -hmm. did feel like it took a, like it took a lot to get that full up, which isn't the end of the world, but it also yeah. feels like you know, if I'm in holding pattern, I don't know how much I want to like, you know, do that for, but, um. Yeah, I feel like it might be easy because you get a lot of, ex you get, you know, so you get some from the dailies or whatever, but you get a lot of progression by doing the Maw Assaults. Yeah. I wonder if just, like, how much you get just by doing the two Maw Assaults. Yeah, that's true. Between. Yeah, it's probably, like... I like it better than the Souls Quest. Like, the Souls Quest is fine, but, like, it was pretty uninteresting. You yeah. know, it's just, go to the Maw, get, run a circle around Zoval's Cauldron and crack all these rocks Yeah, or yeah. Um, and it ended up being kind of a grind a little bit when you got to 20 souls. Like, that took a while, right? Um, so I kind of appreciate that this is something that just sort of measures, like, hey, if you're just doing dailies, if you're running around and getting treasure chests and farming rares when they're up, um, you know, this is going to contribute towards, you know, your renown. I think it's going to be a big pain point next week, though, because it's going to gate people's flying. Mm. You're going to... Because I think we're at renown 42 right now. Yeah. So renown 43... Is not flying. Renown 44 is flying. So I think it's going to be very easy to do the Anima Renown quest, and then you're going to have to do the other one in order to get flying, and people are going to be really, like, fiending for it. Um, and I guess they're just going to grind chests, right? Like, I think that's the only thing you can do inside of a single day to contribute towards that progress bar. Yeah. Unless maybe the raid does it, which I don't think it does, but who knows. Uh, we'll figure it out. Um, what do you think of the the Battle of Ardenweald, the cinematic? Do you have any big opinions on uh, Solanus and Taranda? Um, uh, just that like everybody seems to job, like everybody jobs in every cinematic ever, right? Like, <laughs> like, like don't like the fights are always like short, which is you know I get I get it, it's a game cinematic, but it's like Taranda like they build up this like Moon Hunter thing, and she's like, it's time, Aloon, and then she like does like one thing and like, oh no, my powers are gone. Well, I guess we're done, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I think I think there's a tension in WoW storytelling where you are sometimes in the theater watching a movie, essentially, right? And you are sometimes 
in your chair playing a game. Right. If that makes sense. And I think that's a little bit of the tension kind of like rubbing there. Because like, you know, so like if I were to take the the inverse argument, or not not really argument, but like the inverse case. Let's say Taronda killed Sylvanas here. Well, that's kind of anticlimactic, right? right? Like she just gets killed in a cinematic by somebody who just shows up randomly and like that's a cool cinematic and everything like that but i would have been i think i would have been disappointed right i i want to deal with sylvanas i want sylvanas to be a raid boss that i fight in the way that i've kind of been trained to fight the lich king or illidan or guldan or whoever you know whatever wow villain garrosh right that gets um that gets set up over the course of the game um but i do think that also sort of robs these cinematics of their narrative tension because you can never have you know you can have drama happen, and I like the drama, and I think Taronda's arc is really interesting, and I'm invested in it, and all this other stuff. Um, but you can never have it like resolve, if that makes sense, because the resolution has to happen for me in a gaming chair, not me in a movie theater seat, if that makes sense. Um, yeah, and I, which I don't know. I don't know. That it's a good way to deal with that. I, so that, that's part of it, but I also think part of it for me, the big thing, it's like it happens in thirty seconds, right? Like you know. Like, oh, sure, sure, sure. Right, like, if it was, like, a bigger fight, I'd feel, like, the, this is, was less bad than I, than the beginning of the expansion, but, like, the way I've really felt it is, like, you know, um, uh, like, Bolivar, like, fights Sylvanas for, like, you know, all of, you know, like, there's all of, like, an exchange, and then, like, she, like, just drops him, right? Like, then he just, like, falls over. It's like, well, he was protecting us from, like, you know, uh, you know, the, somebody just taking it, and, like, you know, Sylvanas just kind of, like, walks in, like, like shits all over him, right? Like, um, I would have like I just would like a little bit more there. Also, I think part of it too is like, you know, it's been so long since nine point that like, the memory of like kind of the the flow of the expansion it feels kind of short, right? It's just, yeah. Um, you know, it, it feels like, although maybe it would have been worse thing because it's like you're building to this like night hunter moment and you know then uh, she just, like I said, she just kind of jobs. Like, she does, like, one thing. Yeah, I think part of it, I, I like the I like the Night Warrior stuff, but I feel like, I think the story of the Night Warrior is inherently frustrating because it's kind of a metaphor for the dissatisfaction of Revenge. vengeance. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, like th this is kind of an undercurrent in all of Shadowlands, right, with, like, the Uther stuff or whatever, but it's like, revenge is not justice, right? And it will not satisfy you. And I think it is intentional that Tarande has these hollow victories. Because at the end of the day, you know, I mean, in in absolute terms, she's had plenty of victories, right? She retook Darkshore. She saved all the souls from, you know, tor all of the souls that died until Dresser from Torghast, right? You know, all of this other stuff. But, like, killing Sylvanas, in the same way that that was kind of an empty, like, when the Lich King died, Sylvanas was not satisfied and was not, like, made whole by his death because she was so consumed with vengeance. I think it's a similar kind of, like, parallel right. that Tyrande's kind of going through. And so, um, you know, and I see people memeing about how, like, you know, uh, the Winter Queen at the beginning of the Battle of Ardenweald is like, oh, I'm going to go make sure, you know, my sigil is safe. While you fight these people, and then at the end of the Battle of Ardenweald, she's like, "Oh, what, what, what sigil? The one that just got stolen by Anduin, just behind me." You know what I mean? <laughs> but I think I think part of that is like the you know I think part of that is sort of the intention of Tyrande's character arc, right? Even if Tyrande kills Sylvanas, the sigil is gone. It's a yeah. hollow victory. Anduin took it. 
you know, whatever the jailer's fucking doing, he's going to continue doing it. It does not matter. It will not satisfy you. Um, which I think is why Elune takes the power yeah, from yeah. Tyrande, right? Is she doesn't want Tom Tyrande to commit suicide, basically, um, to get this, so... I guess we'll see what happens at the end of the raid. <laughs> I feel like tomorrow on Twitter is going to be unbearable. World of Warcraft Twitter is super bad at ever in dealing with Sylvanas ever. Just because, like, you have Sylvanas stands on one side and Sylvanas, like, super haters on the other. And it's just like, it's going to be a bloodbath, man. See, what you should do is hang out in my corner of Twitter where everybody plays Final Fantasy XIV and then shits on WoW in ways that don't make sense because <laughs> they haven't played the game in five years. <laughs> I mean, you know, I get that, right? <laughs> oh man! Oh god! Have, have, are, are you familiar with the, with the fourteen memes at all? Like the, the biggest fourteen meme is like, have you considered Final the, Fantasy the fourteen, free... which includes you know yeah. Heaven's Word, you know, like award <laughs> winning Heaven's Word and free play up to level sixty or whatever, right? Like, uh... yeah, I mean, I know that uh, Asmund Gold started playing Final Fantasy fourteen on his stream, which was its own thing, and some random whoever on the WoW team, on Twitter, on his personal Twitter account, said that Asmongold is an asshole. Um, which, frankly, I think is true. Well, I mean, that's probably true. <laughs> but became a giant clusterfuck of, like, you know, everyone is just like, Blizzard fucking hates its players, or whatever. Which, and to be honest with you, I think this is bananas. Name another game where the top streamer of your game is so and you there's just so much contempt between the devs and that you know like that streamer i i just think it it doesn't exist it just like is a complete anomaly the players of world of warcraft just fucking hate the game so much and they hate the devs so much that it, bog it boggles my mind I, <laughs> like, I i think i think a lot of it is kind of like the um you know the like you know you don't complain if you're happy type syndrome right yeah. but like I also think part of it, I you know, I think one of the most cogent things about WoW is WoW is actually like ten different games in one, right? And I think that there are a lot of things that fr if you play WoW as a mount collector, right, there are things that frustrate you about WoW, the small scale PvP game, right? And you look at arenas that you need to do in order to get the vicious war spider as this terrible thing, right? Or you look at you know whatever like whatever thing like it's 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 these places of friction where that stuff bumps you know bumps into one another um that i think creates a lot of you know frustration for players but uh yeah i mean what can i say ian bad blizz bad it's battlelands the, the, are you on the wow circle jerk subreddit no it is golden i love every minute of it it's like just the most funny it's just like it's so good. It's the best Circle Jerk subreddit I have ever seen in my entire life. Just because, like, I don't know, people people hating the game tend to be pretty stupid, and making fun of them is fun. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I so I, like, not even Circle Jerking, right? Like, I, I went to the WoW subreddit to see if I could figure out what was happening with Touch of Death. I definitely mm. saw one person be like, I'm not doing Grind Dorothea or, or whatever. It's all <laughs> bullshit. <laughs> <Just>. <laughs> The, the second day Corthea was out, there was somebody who said, a ca who, who's top, the top post of the separate was, a casual's experience 
of 9.1. And it was just like, 9.1 is awful. It is dog shit content that we should not tolerate. And it's just like, the, none of it is out. The rain isn't out. Jurassic Effect isn't out. You, you haven't done that. You, what? Wh- like, you know. But that's the world we live in, right? Yeah, yeah. All right, we've, we've gone way over. Um, we uh, have gone way over. Okay. Yeah, so we should probably get out of this. Um, uh, so if you'd like to, to email us about whatever you think about 9.1 or uh, or what was the thing we talked about? Young Justice Season 1 <laughs> or any of the other things we talked about on this podcast. You can also at uh, games at gmail.com or podcast.com or uh, uh, subscribe to us on uh, SoundCloud iTunes, rate, review us, all the good stuff. Uh, YouTube, twitch.tv slash Games. Uh, that's everything I have. Buddy, you have anything you want to promote? I have nothing else I am looking to promote. Well, in that case, uh, until next time, dear listeners. Until next time, loyal listeners.